This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At the end of the day, all that you, yes, you care about is picking the right players. That's it. Hayden and I can sit up here and go through how an offense wants to look and what they want to be. But in the end, you just want to know who to draft. So today, today, we have Rich Rebar himself, sharp football analysis, Lord Reeves, to give you five players that he is putting his stamp of approval on. And all of you know that Hayden and I have kind of done this at each position with our sleepers. Um, so I kind of charge, well, he did it on his own, Reeves to do something a little bit different. It's so easy, Rich, to pick favorites from like, 180p and above 150 <laughs> find the 17th or 18th round picks you did early round selections with four of these five and i absolutely love that because it can be so difficult to take stands on players early in drafts because we love all of them so i'm really excited for today's show yeah i mean it's easy for me to say oh hey the, these round 15 guys i gave you uh flop so sorry but uh there are a number of good players that i found myself kind of gravitating towards over the course of the summer and i've been letting them rip at these ADPs. So, you know, hopefully we can get some symmetry going for some people that may be on the fence of some of these players and it sways them to one side or the other. They just completely jump off because, you know, what what do I know? But, you know, (laughs) making the right pick in round four between this Mm -hmm. wide receiver or this wide receiver can change the entire landscape of your fantasy season, a la Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel last season. So I'm really excited again for the next, I don't know, 30 minutes. And if you haven't checked out the rest of the videos on the channel, what the hell are you waiting for? Go and do that. Just hit the subscribe button down below. Okay. Five names. We start off with a round one pick. I love this. Let's do it, Rich. It's Dalvin Cook. He's a guy, he was the consensus basically number two pick last year and, you know, kind of disappointed, but, uh, you know, he's kind of fallen to like the mid back half. Sometimes he goes in round two. I did a FFPC draft last night and the the owner from the 110 spot, I should say the gamer, uh, opened with Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook. And I was like, oh, that never happens when I'm back there uh, because I usually take Dalvin <laughs> Cook first. But, uh, you know, obviously everyone's been excited about the Vikings, you know, the Kevin O'Connell hire versus kind of the archaic offense that the Minnesota Vikings, you know, have run, uh, you know, in the, this previous regime. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people are excited about, you know, highlighting how much 11 personnel this team could use. And even yeah. with having CJ Ham, I think there'll be more multiple than the Rams were a year ago, but they're going to use a lot more 11 personnel because this system always has. And a lot of people have talked about, you know, what this means for KJ Osborne, but the, you know, it definitely has a big signal for Dalvin Cook as well. Uh, you know, especially because when you look at his career, like he just hasn't run a lot out of, you know, 11 personnel in his career. And this can give him lighter boxes. We've seen this happen with Joe Mixon to kind of alleviate some of the 
mitigate some of the problems the Bengals offensive line has had hasn't fully done it and I think that can happen here with Dalvin Cook you know since he's entered the NFL he's 29th among all running backs and carries out of 11 personnel uh just 27 and a half percent of his career carries are from 11 personnel but check out his his numbers when he gets the run against these non-archaic looks uh the, the we're gonna drop back and play action you know do those, that type of offense he's seventh in yards per carry since he entered the NFL 5.4 yards per carry he's fourth in EPA per run out of 11 personnel over the past three seasons he's fifth seventh and first in epa per rush out of 11 personnel also i think when you look at the touchdown factor for dalvin cook i think it's an absolutely massive signal in his direction this year you know he had the 29 touchdowns his previous two seasons before last year just six touchdowns on the ground last year the vikings were right behind the rams last year with 77.3 percent of their offensive touchdowns coming through the the passing game and not the rushing rushing game uh, teams historically over the past decade that have had 75% or more of their touchdowns come via passing 80% of those teams see an increase in rushing scores the following season, an average increase of six rushing touchdowns per season. And when you look at cook himself, he just had bad scoring luck on his own. Uh, he converted just 10.9% of his red zone opportunities into, into scores. His career rate prior was 21.3%. That's almost half. Uh, he converted just three of 12 carries inside the five-yard line for scores. He, he converted 44% of those touches prior. Um, and on top of that, like we still have this kind of unknown, can he be used in the passing game more? He really hasn't to this point in his career. Uh, and although the Rams guys weren't target earners last year, you look at Daryl Henderson ran 104 routes last year in the slot or out wide. Sony Michelle, 79 routes. That's 183 combined. Guess how many Dalvin Cook ran split or out wide last year? 35. Uh, so give him a little bit of opportunity. And on top of that, Minnesota has our top ranked uh, projected rushing schedule at sharpfolksanalysis.com too. So I like, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is a big bounce back. The one drawback I do say, because, yep. because he does come with high equity, is the shoulder. I mean, it, it, it is a thing that you have to account for. He's never played a full season in the NFL, and he basically has missed a game per season, at least minimum, due to this reoccurring shoulder injury. Uh, so that always keeps Alexander Madison the lights on for all these things. I always. Out. Yeah, Alexander Madison, uh, definitely keep him in your, your back burners if you miss out on Dalvin Cook later in your drafts. Okay, I have to ask this question <laughs> because as the order stands right now, obviously after JT and CMC, it's Austin Eckler as a running back three, Derrick Henry as a running back four. Then right after Dalvin Cook, it's Najee Harris. <clears throat> is that fair? Like with all of this said, is it that this just makes you so much more confident to take Dalvin Cook as a running back five? Or could you see taking him over Derrick Henry as a running back four? And dare I say Austin Eckler as a running back three? Or is it more also a conversation with some of the wide receivers mentioned in that area in Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams too? Yeah, and I think it, the, that this the wide receiver position now has gotten really interesting because I think that if you want to go wide receiver early, my tier for elite wide receivers that I feel really confident in this year is so much smaller than I can remember in years past. I mean, I basically have five guys, and you look at what's transpired this week. I mean, now Mike Evans even takes a little bit of a hit. You know, you, Mike Evans is a guy that was basically elevated throughout the entire offseason based on what he did the last two games when he was basically the only guy in the offense to get targets. I mean, he was the last two years, Mike Evans has his lowest target per game total of his entire career. 
he's lived on touchdowns. And now that this is now kind of in jeopardy, does Chris Godwin now play in week one? Does the addition of Julio Jones impact anything? Uh, so, I mean, we remove him. We've got Tyree Kill changing to Tua and the Dolphins. Like, how is this offense going to look? Uh, he's playing with a lot of talent, and that could be a run-first offense. Uh, does C.D. Lamb make the next step? Uh, you've got guys like Michael Pittman. T. Higgins is in that group. He's like the first wide receiver two drafted. And it, these guys all go as wide receiver ones right. in ADP. So, I mean, my my wide receivers in terms of what I feel really good about aggressively playing a position in round one is very small. It's Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook's teammate, uh, Cooper Cup, uh you know, Devontae Adams, um, you know, Jamar Chase, and that's pretty much where we draw the line. And, and then we're dare I say, in. Rich, like Hayden and I have talked about this all <laughs> and, summer. And Stephon Diggs, sorry. <laughs> really like a lot of the second round running backs and heck, even like mm-hmm. some of the third round running backs too. I know that's blasphemous to say you and I are speaking just one to one here, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a pretty good year to like the early run running backs in my opinion. Yeah, and we've seen some of these guys get a little bit steamed. So I loved opening up early on with a wide receiver, especially from the front, because I knew at the 2-3 turn I could basically get Saquon Barkley, uh, Alvin Kamara, and Leonard Fournette. Right. Now Saquon's gone the other way. Yep. He's he, he's he's now at the 1-2 turn uh, in, you know, in recent drafts. You can still get Fournette back there attached to a great offense. He's what we look for. Saquon just has that archetype, uh, you know, and Alvin Kamara, if he doesn't get suspended – has that archetype we look for to invest in. So I love the idea of being able to get two or two of those guys. It's getting a little sketchier now being able to get two of those guys. But uh, I do think that wide receiver one, that back end of where the wide receiver ones go, there's a lot of question marks there. And I, I have trouble investing that kind of capital into those guys versus the running backs. Uh, you know, Devo Samuel, a guy like where does his regression lie? I mean, this is a guy that had three touchdowns from inside the 10 yard line last year. He scored eight touchdowns over expectation. It was uh, only Austin Eckler scored more. The difference was that Austin Eckler was still top five in projected touchdowns, where Devo Samuel was like 55th. Uh, you know, he these he guys breaks are, models. He breaks your models, Rich. That's what he does. I know. And, you know, he's definitely a good player. But I mean, it's tough though when you have those high equity picks and you say, this is a wide receiver that could have potential to be volatile or. I can take this running back that's going to flirt with 300 touches and, you know, the project, the positional leverage, those guys apply. So it, I think it, you can, I mean, Donald Cook's, I think one of those guys that does, definitely has a wide variance. Like he goes RB4 sure. sometimes, he goes RB8 sometimes uh, because so many people don't want to deal with the injuries uh, and some of that stuff too. But uh, he's definitely a guy I do believe bounces back. And Hey, I'll, I'll take James Conner until the wheels fall off. Okay. <laughs> so we've gone through all of that. Now we have to maybe go to, again, a quarterback room that is loaded in this area, Mm. let's say, after the quarterback four in Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, depending on where you're drafting right now. Um, In that quarterback eight, nine, ten territory, you want to talk about Russell Wilson, who gets the Lord Reeves stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I did an article earlier this offseason that talked about how good we've been at drafting the quarterback position the past few years. Now, it's only been a two-year sample. It could be an outlier where we just got really lucky or we started to really identify the kind of archetypes that produced high-end fantasy points. And I do think that, you know, I've at least played some role in that over the years through the Konami code. Uh, and then just that combined with this era of where we're getting now elite passers with elite runners now just through natural human evolution. 
Uh, and, you know, um, those guys get drafted early. You look at all the guys that get picked, you know, real early in fantasy drafts. They're all are those kind of like dual threat archetypes. These guys have these high ceilings. Um, but it still really has not been really advantageous to, to get like the first quarterback. Mm. And you, you want to get now the late round quarterback used to be a thing where we're streaming or we're, we're waiting on the position to being like late round QB one. So like, you know, I don't want to be first in line, but I kind of want to monitor where the position's going. And I don't want to be last in line either. And to me, the most palatable guy based on, you know, my projections and kind of where I'm looking at is, is Russell Wilson. You know, I think a lot of people left last season kind of thinking like, are his elite fantasy days over, but like under the hood, there was a lot to really like still, uh, despite like kind of the limited stats. I mean, he still had a 6.3% touchdown rate. It's his fifth straight season with a touchdown rate over 6%. We know Russ pushes the ball. Uh, you know, he pushes it into the end zone. We love that. He was also fourth in the league in passing points per pass attempt. Only Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford were ahead of him last year. Uh, obviously, we know that Seattle had a historic like play discrepancy last year. That probably doesn't happen in Denver. Fingers crossed. Uh, we, we're done dealing with those days. It's not, I mean, it's not like Denver is going to run like the first, the like top five amount of plays in the NFL. But just not being what Seattle was right. uh, is important. And then you look at just the the, the climate change, right? So he goes from now uh, a, the offensive line that was 30th in pressure rate allowed to a team that was at least middle of the pack. That's a significant jump. Uh, he, I, I believe DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are better individual players than the players at the top of what he's getting in Denver. But I believe the Denver offense as a whole has a lot more talent than what Seattle provided him these last couple of years during his run uh, with, with Seattle. The offensive line's better. The tight ends are better. The wide receiver core runs deeper, although maybe not as top heavy. Um, and, and this is a team that also, when you look at what their layout is, they have our number one passing schedule based on efficiency and explosive play projections. All four, his opening month is amazing. All four of Russell Wilson's opening month starts come against defenses that were 22nd or lower in defensive EPA against the past year ago. Uh, while three of the four defenses have our 21st or ranked secondaries or lower coming into the 22 second 2022 season uh, this year. That's me, Dan Pizzuta, Ryan McChrystal. We graded all these positional units. Um, the only team that like even looks moderately good the opening month against the pass is potentially the 49ers. And they lost two starters that were significant starters in Jaquaski Tart and Kwan Williams last year. Uh, he also has the Raiders, the Jets. Uh, the Jaguars on his opening month schedule. And then you look at Russell Wilson in the fantasy playoffs, which we look for in these tournaments. Uh, he he gets Kansas City in week 14, Arizona, the Rams, and Kansas City weeks 15 through 17. Those have potential all to be just lights out shootout games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I really love about Russell Wilson is, to me, he's the, 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 the solve of the conundrum of, you look at all these Denver individual pieces, and they right. all come with pretty tricky ADPs. For sure. Cortland and they're Sutton. getting steamed up because of week 17 and all of this. Yeah. Cortland Sutton now is a mid wide receiver too. Jerry Judy's a locked in wide receiver too. Uh, obviously Tim Patrick, but Javante Williams comes really high. What do we do with Alberto? Let's make you just take Russell Wilson. And let you take I like that. In. Okay. <laughs> There's a few points. This is the name that I have the most difficulty with. And I think it's because I can't get it out of my head that where where Russell Wilson used to thrive, I don't know if he can really do it as much anymore, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. he used to dominate the out of structure, hold on to the football, escape the pocket and hit these moonshots. Right. Um, I don't think that that ages well. Also, 
the middle of the field has like never been an area where Russell Wilson has shined. Um, I talked to some people close to the Packers who, that cover the team, and they said actually Nathaniel Hackett was the one who unlocked this for Aaron Rodgers, made him feel more comfortable over the middle of the field. And maybe that's an outlet where where he can do that for Russ. Um, and it all depends on like how you're building and orchestrating your team, right? At least on underdog and stacking. But mm-hmm. I can't get it out of my head that I just think Tom Brady is the most undervalued quarterback out there in terms of drafting right now as quarterback 10. And so he's going, you know, seven picks after Russell Wilson. So that's where my eye consistently moves over. Trey Lance is going as quarterback nine. And so it's tough for me to like move off of either of those poles and then go in the direction of Russ. But I think you just outlined the the positive case really well. Hey, I mean, listen, Brady was absolutely the, you know, everyone was arguing this is going up, you know, a day after we record it. But, you know, after we got the Julio Jones news and, you know, the addition of, of Kyle Rudolph and Chris Godwin potentially being back. I mean, no one has won more in this opening little stage of training camp opening than Tom Brady. I mean, because I was looking at it the opposite way. I was thinking like, ooh, Brady might be a little more sketchier than people think. You know, interesting. This, thing, this thing's a Mike Williams or Mike Evans uh, potential injury who guy who's had hamstring these past years like from being a really kind of like tough sell offense like this thing could really fall apart and now it's just been all the other way for Brady and I've actually bumped him back up his projection has actually come up a little bit better for me um yeah the only thing that I yeah I don't think we should absolve Russell Wilson either for some of the struggles he had last year because like you said his style of play I think was problematic for the and it's going to carry with him you know like the Russell Wilson offense I think in a lot of ways is the Russell Wilson offense yeah and the, and the one thing other with Russell Wilson too because even as as uh, as high as I am on him in this outlook, uh, I have trouble bumping him up over the younger guys that you know you're getting the rushing from. Our days at 34 years old of Russ being able to kind of give us that really kind of nice bed of rushing, like those days are probably also pretty right. limited right now. Right. That's okay. why it's hard to move him over like the Jalen Hurtses of the world. I hear you. As much as I do love the, like the schedule outlook and the upgrade. But I'll take at least one more draft of Russell Wilson than I would have before this show. Okay, so those are two of (laughs) Rich's guys this year. Again, we're focusing on early rounds during this point. By the way, if you have any of your must-haves that you want to share in the comments, go ahead and do that down below or what you think of Rich's, which are all correct. They're always correct. Okay, so we we outline like these little clusters of players at the quarterback position. To me, where drafts are going to be defined when we look back on this summer – is all the wide receivers mm-hmm. after around wide receiver 15. You know, you had both of those Chargers wide receivers, and now that's bookended by DJ Moore's wide receiver 15, right? Then after that, it's all those players with questions. You mentioned both the Broncos guys. There's Marquise Brown. There's Jalen Waddell. There's Gabriel Davis, as we've talked about in plenty of shows. Many more, but you have two that you're planting flags on, and the first is Terry McLaurin. Yeah, and like you, like we kind of hinted upon earlier, I actually believe that that starts way earlier than the field is accounting for it. Like I believe from like I wide like receiver six, it starts where to me the gap between wide receiver six and like maybe my wide receiver thirty, the margins are tight, uh, very tight. Uh, you know, I feel like I said I, my my elite tier is is basically five guys right now. Uh, but yeah, Terry <laughs> McLaurin is a guy in that that the area that you said like I still believe that he's way too low and it's maybe I'm just latching on to how good of a football player I believe Terry McLaurin oh, yeah. is um and just um, just saying like all right these other players that go around Terry McLaurin I still know kind of what we have in the players right and I still feel like we haven't seen the best of what Terry McLaurin is and I want to one invest on that 
And, you know, obviously when you look at what Terry McLaurin's run into earlier in his career, it's been feast or famine based on quarterback play. I mean, he was 13th among all wide receivers and targets last year with 130, but uh, just 62.7% were deemed catchable. That was the lowest rate of all guys to see 100 more targets last year. Uh, Carson Wentz obviously is not going to inspire fire into anybody. Uh, especially with the way he closed last season and kind of torpedoing the Michael Pittman breakout season. Uh, but it did allow us to get Michael Pittman at a discount to open this year before everyone caught on. Uh, but you look at Carson Wentz, I mean, still, like, he is objectively the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's played with. Wow. Uh, the, the one area where Wentz really kind of was a lot better than Taylor Heineke was downfield passing last year, and that's where Terry McLaurin, like, he wins. I mean, uh, on target passing rate downfield, uh, Carson Wentz, 58.5%. That was seventh in the league among all guys with 30 or more deep attempts last year. Taylor Heineke, 41.2% last year. That was 27th. McLaurin, fifth in the league in targets on those throws with 33. Only 11 of them deemed catchable last year. Uh, those are the money balls. Those are the ones we want to win. Uh, maybe it's a situation like DJ Moore last year with Sam Darnold where it's just like, yeah, this is the best quarterback he's played with and it doesn't matter. But I think when you look at stuff like the work Matt Harmon has done, I mean, Terry McLaurin basically grades out as good of an individual player winning on his own as Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson. He's that type of talent. We saw the investment Washington still put in. For where he's going, I mean, I I can't outright take DJ Moore over Terry McLaurin. I can't. And he's jumped there getting Baker Mayfield. Yep. Like, I can't. And, uh, you know, I, Terry McLaurin is easily my favorite guy to potentially push to being that, you know, kind of wide receiver one upside. Could be, like, because once you're late on Terry McLaurin, you're late for good. And I still want to be early. I typically hate this type of analysis. And if you're checking us out on YouTube, uh, <laughs> you will see so many of these downfield throws and how Taylor Heineke basically eliminated points from Terry McLaurin's stat line. So many of these passes were off target. They were to the back shoulder. They were lofted way too much because we know Heineke, while being a gamer in terms of buying time, has just no arm to get these passes down the field. Um, throwing him into contested situations really were bad placement. That's where Taylor Heineke was putting it. Not saying that Carson Wentz has much better placement than that, but at least these downfield shots, as you outlined, should be more in the fold. Um I love Terry McLaurin, man. Like you said, he he is a real alpha, and I like Scott Turner too. Like Washington as a whole, to me, feels like one of the low key undervalued fantasy offenses. I think them, the Saints, and the Patriots are three teams that really stand out to me. Uh, I think that I'm very excited. The offensive line in Washington is very good. It's it's above average, which is shocking because like an, on an individual basis, they work so much better as a unit of five than they mm-hmm. did as individual parts. Yeah, and the, the stable of running backs make a lot of sense. It's good. You got J.D. McKissick. You got Brian Robinson, like a, a banger, and Antonio Gibson, a player who kind of gets dunked on but has been productive two years in the NFL. And now you add Jahan Dotson. And Curtis Samuel, there's only 20. Curtis Starter. Samuel has been left for dead. This dude yep. is like wide receiver 80 in ADP. Uh, he's 26 years old. The last time we saw Curtis Samuel play a full season, he led all wide receivers in touches. Uh, this, this feels like an undervalued offense in total to me. Uh, it, it, I know a lot of this falls on Carson Wentz, but I feel like I want to invest in Washington players. Uh, I, w- I still wish they were the football team, though. Okay, so there's one wide receiver, and by the way, Tim McLaurin's going as wide receiver 19 on Underdog Fantasy. In, Hopefully, all of you low. are drafting him right now. As Reeb said, he might take him above the current wide receiver 15, which is DJ Moore. Okay, there's another one in this group that I've been all over since the initial signing, and you want to talk about him too. 
and that is Allen Robinson. Yeah, and I can feel the eyes roll, you know, for anyone. No, not for me. But not from you, but I mean, collectively, the people that drafted Allen Robinson last year. I mean, it was a disaster last year. I mean, he started the season kind of what seemingly disgruntled with the team. He had ankle and hamstring injuries. He also got COVID during the season. Uh, and then he didn't play well. Uh, none of the quarterbacks played well. And the system was a joke. I mean, you look at what Allen Robinson was asked to do last year. 40 per, 40% of his routes last year were strictly slants and curls. Like absolute just joke. These shallow routes on those on those two targets alone, which made up forty percent of his targets, five point nine average depth of target. Uh, just an absolute terrible. Like you can, you're not going to do anything with those routes. This happened for Darnell Mooney too. All he did was run curls and slants too. Uh, you know now we're getting rid of that for both players, and it definitely signals a more for Allen Robinson because not only is he going from the Matt Nagy offense, he's going to the Sean McVay offense, where if you look at what they're asking their wide receivers to do, and specifically the role Allen Robinson's going to be in in this offense, uh, Rams pass catchers, uh, slants and curls made up just 20.9% of all routes run by Rams pass catchers last year. Uh, no team had more air yards last year uh, on posts, go, deep crossing routes, digs, than the Rams. Guess what team was dead last in the NFL? Chicago Bears by over almost a thousand, a thousand yards, almost difference in air yards on these types of routes. So Robinson's going to be running these fantasy friendly routes down the field. Uh, he had 10 total targets last year on digs, post, go and crossing routes, 10, 10 of them. Uh, absolute just travesty. Uh, the Rams also uh, something I know you brought up at least on Twitter, hyper aggressive, you know, near near the end zone, especially getting Matthew Stafford last year, second and pass rate inside the 10. They're first and pass rate inside the five. Uh, you know, those, those two things that we saw Odell Beckham doing at the end of last year, Allen Robinson is going to be tasked with doing those. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring that up real quick because, and the people who watch these videos know Odell had 12 targets inside the 10 yard line last year, eight catches and eight touchdowns. And like just the alignment perspective that the Rams put out there in terms of bunching everything front side with Cooper cup being the focal point of that, they basically leave an X receiver isolated on the backside one-on-one and throughout his entire career at his peak, Odell Beckham, he can win big, he can win small. We saw big back pylon, go up and get it for contested catch, small, quick slant, boom, create separation, Ball's right there there from you, uh, for you from Matthew Stafford. Allen Robinson can do the exact same thing, and it's so clear based on reading the reports that that is the exact mm-hmm. situation, the exact vision that they have for Allen Robinson. I mean, I bet he scores the most touchdowns in his career since 2017. Yeah, and I brought this up last week too. It's like, uh, you know, his, his contract too. Like this was a player that coming off the year he had and given his age could have easily got, had to sign like a prove it deal somewhere. The yeah. Rams made it very clear that like, he's like a, a, like they wanted what he could do in this offense. He has dead cap hits of, of 31 and 26 million the next two years. Like they didn't come in and just say like, Hey, on Robinson, you could win a title with the Rams. Give us a discount. Like, no, they were like, we want you. This is what you can do and add your offense. The other thing that also is not priced in, to Allen Robinson right now and you don't see this often happen to wide receivers, but uh, contingency outcomes. If anything happens to Cooper cup, like Allen Robinson, then is now he is the versatility. He's played in the slot before in his career. They can move yep. him around too. Uh, you know, this is a guy that had a 32% team target share last year in Cooper cup. And if you were to miss any stretch of time, Allen Robinson now becomes the de facto wide receiver one on this offense. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've been hammering out Robinson. He, he still doesn't go nearly as high as I believe he does. And I get it because he cost people money last year and those players never really bounce back, but no, I'm, I'm with you. And to that point, <laughs> in terms uh, of, uh, Sean, investment. 
Sean McVay recently came out and said, quote, I was selling my fucking balls off to get this guy. Uh, yes. Yeah, he did. <laughs> the contract you, you just outlined. It. It's, you see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, one more point. I think it's so difficult for us to wrap our head around how much of a quarterback boost can do to the outcome of a season. We looked, We thought we knew who Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were last season prior to last year. And then look what Cooper Cup resulted into, you know? Um, now, technically, A-Rob does fall into the bucket of veteran wide receivers moving teams and free agency, but I don't care. I don't care in this dynamic. And so, again, this goes back to the original point. Terry McLaurin, you can make a case for him to be the top of this tier. Gabriel Davis, you can do that for me too. Allen Robinson, you can do that for me too. So, again, reflecting back on this wide receiver grouping at the end of the 2022 season, I bet we uh, we see it changes quite a bit of uh, fantasy outcomes. Okay. A few minutes left, Rich. We've escaped these top 47 overall ADPs. I love that you planted flags in that territory. Four names, one more to go. And it's someone we've talked at length about this offseason. And I'm glad you're adding on to it, David Njoku. Yeah. And then, you know, just from a top down perspective, I think this is one of the sketchiest seasons to also go with a, a be aggressive on tight ends. Uh, you know, I think that when you look at this clear, group of top five guys we have in ADP um, and I would extend it even to six. Uh, now Dalton Schultz has kind of been elevated. I mean, these guys all come with major red flags. I mean, Travis Kelsey's is still the safest, but he's going to be 33 years old. He showed a little bit more of a floor last year than he has uh, over his career. He also only had the four end zone targets last year. Uh, we also don't know if Tyree kills can be a net negative for this offense. We don't know. It could be, um, you look at uh, after him, Kyle Pitts could be playing for the lowest scoring team in the NFL. Uh, Darren Wallers now has the the largest terms of competition in terms of targets from tangible teammates that he's had any point of his career. Uh, Mark Andrews has like 12 different regression bullet points that uh, you can highlight. And then George Kittle is like a Trey Lance factor. So like, it's like, there's a lot going on at the top tier of these tight ends and the margin for error of missing on a tight end is enormous. Wait, the opportunity cost missing on a tight end. If you don't get that one single outcome where those guys perform on wide receiver one levels, you got really butt kissed, man. You got really nothing because you forego a wide receiver or running back um, and you're not getting the tangible points that you need. So I have really not been heavily investing into tight end uh, at that top tier this year. I've been really hammering running backs and wide receivers. So if I'm not, then I got to go down here. And when we're looking for tight ends that typically break out, you want to invest in guys on the age, the age cliff ascending. David yep. Joku just turned 26 years old. He's not as old as Evan Ingram and OJ Howard, who came out that same year with him. Uh, then we're also looking for can this player be a top two to three target on his offense? Absolutely. You look at the layout of this Browns offense uh, after Amari Cooper. It is wide open for David Njoku to step on B, maybe second on this team in targets, and if at worst, maybe third. Uh, he's also showed us last year that breakout. He's coming off a career high 13.2 yards per catch, nine point yards for nine flat yards per target. He played just 64% of the offensive snaps too last year. He ran 305 pass routes. Foster Moreau, man, man, wrote more pass routes than David Njoku. That's not happening this year. Uh, the team heavily, you know, incentivized, uh, you know, what they're going to get out of him by investing in this year, not just with the franchise tag, 
but just paying him a boatload of money. He also has a potential quarterback upgrade to Sean Watson because at this point we still don't know if he's going to play this year or not. And honestly, if he has to play with Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett has targeted tight ends on 29% of his career throws. Uh, Only Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz have targeted tight ends at a higher rate of their career throws than Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, this dude's going like tight end 20. Yep. How? How? I outright would easily tell you right now, I want David and Joe go over Irv Smith. I easily do. And he, it's not even close. Pat Fryermuth, like, no, I want David Njoku over a lot of these guys. I have him as a tight end one. Uh, I have him at tight end 12 right now. I feel like he's the easiest to the one guy that you're just getting the most, the, the most discount based on where I have them this year. Uh, so I've been really building a lot of teams around David Njoku as, like, the stable of tight end plays. You give him as your tight end, too. Easy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, w- we talk about it a lot in terms of building best ball lineups and you know, tight, two tight ends in a lineup or, or three tight ends on a roster. And he fits in either of those dynamics. 100% yes. is, the, is the tight end 19. And he has a unique blend. You know, he averaged 11.9 yards per reception on screens. He's fantastic after the catch. But then also 35% of his targets last season were 10 plus yards down the field. And he's a full-time player, as you have outlined. Like, quote, we certainly want to feature David Njoku. He's a big part of what we plan to do. There's no doubt about that. What I am most impressed with is he's becoming a complete tight end. And that's after a season that all 70% of the snaps games, three of them, he caught a touchdown. Like this is to me a smash spot as the tight end 19 and uh, what he could be truly this season. Yeah, we've got people out here, and I get it. Like, if you're excited about Gerald Everett being a chance to play at Justin Herbert, but uh, man, and Joku's so much, I want him so much more than a lot of these guys that go from like that tight end 11 to like tight end to where he goes uh, very easily. So, I mean, to me, like you said, he fits so many team builds. I think the upside is there. And then if somehow Deshaun Watson does end up playing, I mean, you're just, we're, we're really cooking with gas. All right. Before my internet shuts over here. <laughs> Tell the people how they can find you. Obviously, all of your written work is over on Sharp Football Analysis. Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find everything I've done. I've got literally over 50 free articles on the site. You can access this for free. They never get paywalled of you know happenings and stuff uh, for from what I believe is going to happen this season. We flipped it over to kind of subscriber base this last month because I'm putting out basically the last month of the draft guide, how I'm drafting players, uh, drafting more than these five players that we talked about today. No, nope, just these five. Uh, these just those these five. are the only five that you're allowed to draft in every single one that you do. That's right. So, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'm always in them streets. I'm glad that I weaseled my way onto this podcast after yesterday. <laughs> Uh, I always listen. You you always have a, a soft spot in my heart. We used to do the Sunday morning Thank show at NBC together. Uh, our rapport has always been strong. Uh, I miss the days of barnstorming the office and making you watch Josh Allen highlights or some whatever goofy player we were on at the time. Uh, but yeah, so I'm glad I forced my way on here and got on before the summer ended. Yep. Love you, Reeves. All right, everyone. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. As always, check out the other videos on the channel and go support Rich and everything that he does because I do the same. All right. Talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>